steal at center as Eichel lifted a stick. The free puck to Petrangelo in his own zone. Stretch pass. Eichel is in with a cutter. Third man Martinez scores! Alec Martinez, 3-1 Golden Knights. Nobody is ever satisfied with one, so we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Bennett looking cross-eye, Stone intercepts. This time he sends it down in a walk ball and go into the goal! It's a hat-trick! Mark Stone, the captain, makes it 8-3 Golden Knights with six minutes to go in the third period. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com, here is Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Well, got some great news uh, coming up uh, in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show, just about uh, expanding the reach of the VGK, and it's a really cool initiative that's happening. Tell you all about it in just a little bit. Uh, Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, and Chris Chapman. Chapman, uh, just before we get too far into hour number two, tell me if I'm wasting my breath right now. Hmm. No. We're on the air. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Just just confirmation. Yeah. Just wanted to know because yeah, in, in our the first yeah, hour, well, the good I, thing I, is I went four minutes. Well, hold on. And before you told me, hold on, hold that on. We weren't do, on the air. Do you want me to reach out to listeners yeah. to confirm are that we, we are on, on the, the air? air? Well, Vicky, Vicky is always like anytime there's an issue, she she is a loyal listener. She's always tweeting at us. She's like the first to ever always let us know. Yeah. Stephanie as well. Okay. But Stephanie didn't call today, so I wonder if Stephanie's not listening. She probably couldn't hear yeah. that it was time to call. Yeah. Well, she probably she probably turned on the station and was like, oh, huh, these guys weird. aren't on. I'm going to turn on something else. Silence. Uh, I hope not. We got a big win against the Chicago Blackhawks on the weekend, mm-hmm. beating the first overall draft pick, Connor Bedard. So why not crank up our game rating and get into it as the Vegas Golden Knights make a little league history on the weekend? What let be? I'm awfully glad you asked me that, Lloyd, because I just happen to have two 20s and two 10s right here in my wallet. I was afraid they were going to be there till next April. So here's what. You slip me a bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. You can do that, can't you, Lloyd? There's a little Jack for you, Jack Nicholson. We got some Jack Dan, a little whiskey. Great movie, little rye, by yeah. the way. Oh, what movie is that from? The Shining. All right. There we go. Uh, any chance we could quicken that up a little bit? <laughs> I, I, could, I could maybe uh, try to find something a little just quicker. By, by January. Yeah. No, we I might need just a I, little bit. I, of, I heard something great the other day that I really liked, but I don't know where to find it now, so I have to do a little searching. But <laughs> I heard something great. Well, no, I it was it was on it was it was on the radio. So okay, so I have to try to find where That's the where clip came down. from. I have to figure out where it came from. So all right, now we're looking forward to catching up with Chapman. It's going to be the best ever. Yes, apparently. yes, it uh, will today. And he's got twenty seconds to get it off his chest, <laughs> <laughs> or else it's not the best ever. Uh, what do we got for our game rating, Chapman? Well, I think because of the significance of the win. The, the the mark that was set, the fact that they are now six and zero on the regular season, which is a very very important number. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a Dom P. I'm going to give it a five out of five. I thought they played well. They got power play goals, um, and I I just feel like because of the fact that it's a significant, it sets a new benchmark in the NFL or in the NHL. I'm sorry, I have to go with a Dom P. A five out of five. Don P. What did you call it the other day? Don P. Don P. Don P. Yep. Yep. So we call it in the hood. 
No, it's not. You can't afford it in the hood. No. A little, 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 little crystal with our Dom P. You, you can't afford it in the high end district. <laughs> yes. We should what Google what uh, a bottle of Dom Perignon. Okay, is worth okay. Wallace, what do you got? Yeah, it's a Dom P. Dom Perignon. Like it. it listen, I, how they play is going to become important at some point here, and I don't think that that was their best game of the season by any stretch, but. The simple fact is they, they were able to put up five goals in back-to-back games on the road when they didn't have their best stuff. They were able to go out there and seize that game in the third period. It was close until it wasn't, and the Golden Knights determined when it wasn't going to be close and closed out that game incredibly well, and you make history. I'm sorry, I'm not going any other direction. It's nothing but a five out of five for me. The way that fourth line took control yeah. and scored early in the third period was an absolute statement yeah. in the game mm-hmm. where everybody watching was tuning in for two things to happen. Connor Bedard to do something great. Yep. And the Vegas Golden Knights to turn it on and brush aside the Blackhawks yes, absolutely. In, the, in the rebuild. And everybody was fairly confident that both would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Bedard scores in his first shot ever at the United Center. That got people going. But Vegas took a while to really grab the reins and go. They did that in the third period, and then it was a, a no-brainer from there. One area of impressive hockey that, that really jumped out at me on, on the two-game road trip, they allowed a goal, a buck 30 into both games. Yeah. They were behind basically from the start mm-hmm. in both games and still made it a no-doubter. Yeah. So that was great. I uh, love the power play uh, in both games. So you've got multi-power play goals mm-hmm. in multiple games now uh, through the six games, half the games. Uh, so that is encouraging, and uh, there's still more uh, growth to happen there. But the second power play unit scored both mm-hmm. goals against the Chicago Blackhawks, and they did it in different ways. One was a block shot deflected over by Paul Cotter over to William Carlson, who shoveled it in with some net front by Ivan Barbershev. Mm-hmm. And the other one was a... A sneaky little pass by Michael Amadio yeah. over to Paul Cotter. He fanned on the pass. Mm-hmm. Still got to Cotter, who who rifled it home. But I, I think that part, having that second unit and getting some competition going, mm-hmm. where now that second unit might get the odd start, mm-hmm. depending on who's on the ice when a penalty is called and the power play goes out. There might be a switch, okay, well, let's let's go with that second unit because they're fresher. That might might happen. We'll we'll, we'll see what goes uh, down that road. Uh, so I'm giving it a Dom Perignon as well. 1920. Guys, think about 1920. Okay. You weren't alive then. Nope. But you've you've done all the history reading. You know what was going on in and around there. You had uh, the the roaring 20s into mm-hmm. the dirty third. Like there's uh, the start of the industrial revolution going through. That was. Like the Ottawa Senators had a record, held the record, or shared We're the record for most wins by a Stanley Cup champion to start a season mm-hmm. since 1920. Yeah, all that black and white footage you've seen from the early 1900s, the Ottawa Senators held this record since then, mm-hmm. and they were wiped away. Yeah, because the Vegas Golden Knights ripped off a sixth straight win. Which leads me to this question, and you have to ask, answer it honestly. Mm-hmm. Did you know, one, that there was a record for most consecutive wins by a Stanley Cup champion to start a season? 
I mean, we became I became aware of it the last week. Okay, so you didn't know. Yeah. I would have assumed. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't I didn't know they tracked that stuff. Yeah, I I, I became aware they, of they, it. Tra- they track a lot of stuff I'm not aware of. Sure. But but I was not aware of it. We you be- weren't aware of it. No, either. I, I would have assumed that there was, but yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have known. But don't what try and it was. sound like you're smarter than us. No, I I, I wouldn't have <laughs> if you would have asked trying me. trying to spin this like you're smarter than us. No, if you would have said to me what's the record, I wouldn't have known. Okay, so did you know <laughs> who held the record? Nope. Or what or did you have if I would have told you, hey, here's the, there's a record for most wins to start a season by a Stanley Cup champion, who would you have said? I yeah. probably would have said the Islanders in the in the early to mid eighties. I, I feel like that's probably the direction I would have gone to. Or the or the Oilers, which yeah. co shared it, right? But like again, I, I would have never thought the Ottawa Center. Well, one of those great Montreal teams. That that's where I would have went mm. is Montreal in the seventies. Yeah. In the last eight games one year. Eight games. Yeah. There's, there's ties, but they lost eight games. Uh, I would have went there, but or the Oilers, mm-hmm. the, the, those two. But I am still blown away that a, the record was only five. Sure. I still don't understand how it was only five, and which makes it even more impressive what Vegas has, has done, mm-hmm. not just setting the record, but – being able to brush aside, there wasn't Twitter and everything else, which I think makes it harder to focus yeah. in, in this era. You have to find different ways to get through it. There wasn't teams in Vegas uh, with, <laughs> with all the distractions uh, of uh, what goes on uh, around here. Sure. Like it's just, it, it's really uh, a big, more, bigger stick tap to, to what the Vegas Golden Knights, but I, I wasn't aware of that record. And, and if, if you would have told me there was a record, mm-hmm. I would have said it was eight or nine games. Yeah, yeah. and not five. Yeah, and and it is interesting because you know we we have danced around the idea of how difficult it is to win that first game, right? And and that I think that's probably what undoes a lot of defending Stanley Cup champions is that you have that banner raising ceremony. It's not easy as we kind of documented the, the the opening of the season, it's not easy to to bring your best effort and to have your best game when you've got that distraction looming over you. And yet, you know, the Golden Knights were able to get through that. They were able to get through the first week unscathed, and they, they've they been fantastic to start the year. I think two things happen. What, you're the best team. Mm-hmm. You should be able to rip off. Somebody in 125 years should have been able to have a eight or nine game winning streak as a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. Because you're the best team. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of it is you're the best team. You've just come off the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. You know what's important more than any other time in your hockey career. Yeah. That's the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. So the first week, the first two weeks, it's it doesn't have that same intensity. Yeah. So there's an, a natural or a uh, just a subtle ignorance of the the importance of the early season. Yeah. Because you don't you've already lived what's what's most important. So why would you put all your heart and soul into this? They've taken advantage of a great schedule. Yeah, they and, have, and that is is part of it. Sure. Uh, certainly. But I think that's why the record it was only five coming into this year. 
well, you're coming off of the most intense hockey you're going to play mm-hmm. likely in your life into, you know, intense hockey, but it's nowhere close, right? Like game one through six, game one through 10, game one through 41, it's not going to touch the intensity level that you had in game five against the Florida Panthers. Like even if you're in the 30s and it's a 36-game schedule yeah. or a 56-game schedule yeah. or a 70-game schedule, like it, there's still time to get into the season yeah. when you are the best Yep. Uh, in the National Hockey League. Never mind 82-game season when you know, barring health, that you're, you're going to be able to make the playoffs mm-hmm. pretty easily, uh, which what what we have right now. Uh, Bruce Cassidy had some interesting things to say today during his media availability. Uh, one of those uh, revolves around Alex Petrangelo. It's at the end mm-hmm. of, of the session, so uh want people to, to stick around, but Alex Petrangelo was on the ice today uh, for the practice in a red non-contact jersey, so that was a huge uh, sighting for everybody. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, you know, the Golden Knights have, have been able to rattle off these wins, and it's been uh, mo- most likely or most importantly without some of their best defensemen in the lineup. You get Alec Martinez back a couple of games ago. He's had an immediate impact for the Golden Knights, but you're you're still down your, your number one defenseman in Alex Petrangelo, and the sooner you can get him on the ice, uh, the sooner you, you start to, to feel really good about what this team can do. He was also asked about the turnaround and second period struggles mm-hmm. uh, because they've been so effective since the All-Star break uh, last year uh, where they've got the best record in the National Hockey League. The NHL launched a new stats program today, mm-hmm. and there's some really cool things. We'll walk through it uh, in one-timers. Uh, he was uh, queried about uh, analytics uh, going down that path. Uh, Eichel was a topic of conversation. Barbashev mm-hmm. uh, being moved in and around as he's worked his lines in-game. And William Carlson, which is uh, really uh, the topic uh, over the last few days, it has been the return to of William Carlson to a frontline uh, offensive performer, along with everything else that uh, William Carlson does. And uh, isn't that fun to watch? Because we all <laughs> love uh, Wild Bill. Here's Bruce Cassidy from St. National Arena. You've been around a lot of really two-way centers, including maybe the best two-way center. Uh, where is William Carlson, I guess, kind of right here? Where does he sit in that campaign? Well, he, he's right there. I mean, again, this morning we're going through, I thought with Chicago, you know, we had some times where our forward, our last forward, high forward, four check neutral zone was taking great angles. And then other times we're kind of diving down, we'll call it where, you know, they limit their chances of recovering a puck. Whereas if you're angling, at least you're staying above it. And he was in, you know, 75% of the clips. So, you know, he's a guy that just plays the right way in the right side of the puck. and. It's not hurting his offense. It really isn't. It didn't hurt Patrice Bergeron's. It hasn't hurt Kopitar's. It's not hurting Jackson Stevie's. You know what I mean? It's it's not like you're never playing with the puck or you're asked to never be aggressive. It's just at the right moments when you're the high guy, you have to live to fight another day so you can get the puck back. You know, might be a little closer to your own end, but you're going to get it back, and that's what's happened. That's what happens with Carly. <clears throat> Two of the last three games, there's been some line juggling. Barbershop time himself, not on the top line. Is that more done for a spark, or is there something you're not seeing that you would like to see Barbershop doing more for Uh Well, he's still on the top line. He always starts every game in the top line, so we're not um, moving him out of there. We've, I guess, with different players, have moved other guys in there for a shift or two that are we feel are going a little better that night. We've done that with certainly Barbie the other night. Probably Paul Cotter, 
Uh, in Winnipeg, we moved Howie back in there. Worked out for everybody. Um, where his game's at specifically. Well, that line I don't know is generating a lot five on five like they were used to in the playoffs. So there's a certain expectation that we all have because that's our most recent memory. So we've got to be careful that uh, we're not going too far and expecting that every night. But we do expect more of it. So we sat down and discussed with him and Jack and Marshy why. And I thought we got a little more the other night. Marshy scores a goal. Like, so they're coming out of it. It might just take a while. Uh, Barbie, to me, is not making the same plays in the wall. And to Jack that he had been uh, on a regular basis, is that him? Is that Jack not supporting? I don't, you know what I mean? There's probably both sides of that. Um, but I anticipate he'll, that line will get better. And so will he. he'll be part of that. I think he's a complimentary player to begin with. So it's, he's not going to drive that line anyway, but he has to do his part. So that's, that's how I feel about the whole line. Um, Eichel's been shooting a lot more. He's actually meeting the league right now with shots on goal. Do you feel that is maybe changing the chemistry a little bit? Well, the other guys won't see it as much if he's shooting it. And, and so, yeah, that could affect their touches. Um, we want Jack to shoot at the right time more if he feels that's a good opportunity to shoot. So I think what you'll see with Jacks, he'll balance it. You know, he's shooting more. Um, he's tied for our leading goals. Now I think one was an empty net, so maybe, maybe it's paying off for him. Uh, he's had some really good looks. Had one in Chicago the other night from the slot and had a number of them. So uh, we want the guy, I don't care who scores in that line, I guess is how I'd put it as long as they produce. So it happens to be Jack that's doing the scoring and Barbie and Marsh setting up, that's fine. I think it'll balance itself out, to be honest with you, where they'll get more touches, but I don't mind Jack shooting. The NHL released a whole bunch of stats this week, new stats we've never seen. Is there a stat that you look at and you say, like, people don't talk about this one enough? Well, I look at wins. That's the first one I look at, they right? Look at yep. So that's the ultimate, um, what you want. But I guess there's stats. I don't know which ones. We have our own analytics, I guess. So for every game we get expected goals, expected goals against. So well, my eye goes to that. Then it goes to five on five versus special teams. And then how are we generating them, right? Are, are, are we defending the blue line well? Slot shots, odd man rushes, uh, second chance rebounds. So those are, to me, a lot of determining factors on how well you're defending. If you're giving up a lot of rebounds, then you're not hard enough in the slot. If you have no slot chances, the other way you're not winning the slot battle on their end. So I kind of go to certain stats first. In your expected goals last year, were you outperforming not as much as the public data was? It was like crazy last year. I'm not sure how much you're outperforming. Was it the same it, All year or in the play? Mostly towards the second half of the year. I think we're generally a team that outperformed the other with our analytics. I, keep, I Don't hold me to every game or what. There's going to be stretches. But in general, I think that typically is why we won 51 games, right? I think most of the time, that's the, the teams end up on the right side of the wins and losses, too. Not all the time. There's years where... You just don't finish well, and the other team does. And but in general, I I, I think they're a good, a good, not great. They're a good um, barometer of where your team's at. But I think style of play will dictate sometimes. You know the percentage of time you have the puck, ozone time, whatever. There's certain stats in there that how you play, will will, will can slant them either way, good or bad. And as a coach, you you got to be careful how much you watch that stat versus what what. what is expected on the ice and what 
you know, you're, you're like for us, for example, I know we're going to give up some ozone time because the way we defend. So if we're last in the league, that's a problem. I don't expect to be in the top 10 just because the way we play. If we're not in the top 10 for, you know, chances against from the good ice interior, that's a problem for me. So that's how I look at that area. And you could go through each area and every coach would probably look at quality of shots versus amount of shots. One team might get 40, the other team might get 30. You might have eight grade A's with the 30, you might have four with the 40, right? So is that better or worse? So there's a little bit of that that goes into all these stats that you gotta be a little bit careful of than just pulling a page and saying, well, this team does that because you have to know that team and how they play. That's how I look at the stats. I think um, all of us in this room maybe took a different creative approach asking about the team's second period struggles throughout the first half of last season. Since the All-Star break through the playoffs until now, the team's basically been Immaculate in the second period. Is that something that changed from the coaching side? Something different you see in, in game adjustments? Why are the team so good in the second period? I like the word immaculate, by the way. I got to work that in a little more often. Um, uh, I think our second periods, what we've done well is recognize the how the the momentum shift goes because of the long change. So we've changed well and we've managed the puck between the blues better than most teams, and by that I mean we play, fa play fast, play with pace, quick up. When there's an opportunity, the team's changing. I think you see a lot of our regroups that we go back with the puck are first and third period, and the second we tend to want to go north a little more, so we talk about that. Um, so I think that has something to do with it, and I think we're a good rush team both ways. So in, in the second period, you see more rushes because of the long change. You're usually minus, a, someone's getting lost in that attack sometimes. So you get, you have an opportunity to get your D up the ice a lot of times offensively. And defensively, you've got to hold the blue line a little better or sag and give up a shot from the outside because people are coming back and you're in a little bit later than the other two periods. So we've identified that part of it. So being good between the blues to me has always been important in the second period. So that is a point of emphasis for us and whether that I think we have good players, so that, that matters a lot too, but we have we have talked about that, so that has something to do with it. How did Petra look in the red jersey? Oh, Darren, you took the words right out of my mouth. I <laughs> it's too soon. <laughs> um, he looked, uh, God, I'm, my vocabulary is not where it needs to be today because I should have another uh, a word I can use, a synonym, right? Is that a word? That's right. Um, I thought he looked good and he, he was out there to the end and more. So when a guy's first time back with the team and he stays out longer, that's a good sign to me that he's absorbing whatever's being thrown at him without any issues. But I mean, that's just in the moment now, right? He could wake up tomorrow and not feel so good or go home today and not, but right now it's, it's a good sign. Oh, I wouldn't think he'd play tomorrow. I mean, I'm not going to rule him out, but to me that, I mean, it's his first day, but I guess I'll meet with the trainers. I haven't talked about him yet. I'm not expecting it, but when he's ready, he's in. But uh, they'll, they'll, yeah, it's too soon for me to say that. They'll, they'll make that call. Picking up on the Petro conversation, mm -hmm. he looked great out mm, there. He did. Uh, there was a smile. There was energy. So that part I love. That was the first thing I looked for. And then you start evaluating uh, performance and doing doing the drills and everything everything checked off uh, today. He mentioned Bruce Cassidy uh, that Petrangelo was out there and then more. Mm -hmm. And Petrangelo was one of the last two players on the ice w when I went into the room. Yeah, uh, it was Jack Eichel at one end and then uh, Alex Petrangelo at the other. And why I found it interesting was before Bruce walked into our media session, he went by the room 
and went out and looked uh, on the ice. And I don't know whether he was looking for somebody mm-hmm. or there's somebody coming to, to meet him or he was checking out who was on the ice. It's, it's kind of unusual that the coach would go back out to see who's still on the ice. But he may he saw Petrangelo still out there as one of the last two players on the ice, which uh, drove home the fact that Petra's feeling a little bit better. We'll, mm-hmm. Still in a red jersey. We've seen players go from red jersey right into the lineup, but after you take a, a puck in the head like that, yeah. there's there's uh, obvious uh, a, a contusion there. Uh, you're you're going to be a, a little more uh, just uh, safer with it. Mm-hmm. And given the fact what the other guys have done in in his absence has has also played a role in there's no need to rush anything. Yeah, you can be a little bit more cautious in, in this moment because you've had great games and you've had an ability to have guys fill into those spots, fill into those roles and and do an admirable job and, and get you to this point where you're now six and zero on the season. So there's no need to rush Alex Petrangelo back into the lineup. And, you know, the others, the other thing you look at this week is that you you've got a couple of days between tomorrow's game and Friday's game uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks on Nevada day. So you've got a little bit more time to get Petrangelo into practices, into the groove of of that type of regiment before you've got to expose him to a game. So I, it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on that tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, you've got the luxury of time right now if you're the Golden Knights. They made an adjustment with the roster on the weekend. Hmm. Caden Korzak went back in Yep. Uh, for Ben Hutton. Yep. They're finding ways to get Korzak in the game. Which which is a great credit to him. Yeah, he's he's been fantastic. He really has. Like ever since he put the puck in the back of the net, he he seems more comfortable, more confident in in his skill set at this level. And I, I think that you kind of balance things out a little bit more having Caden Korzak in. You've got Korzak with Haig. I think that that's a really strong pair for the Golden Knights. You have you're able to kind of mix things around a little bit more with Martinez now back into the fold. And I just I like Caden Korzak's game. I do, and I think he he was he comes in and, and does a really good job for the Golden Knights and decisive on the power play too. Those are things you need. This week's schedule: Philly tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Philly's off to a great start. Three wins in the first four. Yep. Chicago on Friday. We know what they are. Mm-hmm. L.A. Saturday in a back to back, and then Montreal on Monday. The weekend is three games in four days. Yep. So between today and next Monday, what what's your expectations for this team? That they'll play ten games by then. As far as the record goes, yeah, I think they can win three out of the three out of the next four. I see no reason why they can't. I mean, listen, they could win all four of them, and that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Like that's how good this team has been to start the year. But I think if we're looking realistic expectations, that turnaround with travel to LA on the back-to-back is going to be tough. Um, and I think the LA Kings are, are probably better. They're playing better than their record would indicate so far this season. So I think that's going to be a tough game. But yeah, I, I think three out of four is kind of where my expectation is for this team. There's a path to 10 and 0. I agree with you. Then you're getting into some real deep NHL history. For record, not just records by a Stanley Cup champion or wins by a Stanley Cup champion, yeah. but just wins from the start of a season. But you're you're getting into some 
pretty magical stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you flip the calendar, and you've got Winnipeg and Colorado. Yep. Colorado is game 12. Yes. And you like you are fixated on that. I am cuz you know the 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 Golden Knights right now are 6 and 0, Colorado's 5 and 0. I would love to see that first matchup between Vegas and Colorado be a matchup of undefeated teams. It'd be awesome. Vegas at 11 and 0 going into that matchup against Colorado and I don't have Colorado's schedule so I don't know what their their win total would be run to at that point. But if you have those two teams undefeated going into that matchup, understanding how good we expect them both to be in the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's appointment viewing. It really is. Be amazing. It would be fantastic. And there, there's, there's a way to get there. Yeah. Now you got to continue good health, continued uh, playing well, growing your game, et cetera. The, the Philadelphia game will be interesting. We don't know anything about what Philadelphia I haven't watched them yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they're getting great goaltending, mm-hmm. and uh, th- they've actually made some lineup adjustments. Morgan Frost isn't even playing. Yeah, uh, they're talking about uh, him being available. They John Tortorella seems to have something going positive mm-hmm. with them. Uh, Chicago, I think, can be dangerous on a night-to-night basis. Taylor Hall is going to be out for a little bit, mm-hmm. so they, they're banged up a little bit. Uh, L.A. is a good team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I question whether or not they can keep the puck out of that uh, <laughs> enough. But once they figure that out, because they, they are a low event defensively, uh, they don't give up a lot. And and Montreal has had some good games, and mm-hmm. they've had some some struggling games. Up and down. Uh, and, and Winnipeg, uh, right? Like, they beat Edmonton the other night in overtime. And uh, I think Winnipeg's also another team that's probably played a little bit better mm-hmm. uh, than their record goes. But uh, there's, there's, there's a path there to, to double digits. Not saying it's going to happen, but I want to be the first to say it could happen. Sure, there you go. I'm, I'm not going to get uh, intimidated by jinxing anything. You won't. You won't declare it wholeheartedly, no. But, no, but you will say it's a, there's a path. And and no, I'm with nobody you. Nobody wins ten games in a row to start the season. Not generally, no. But again, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if if you're telling me we're sitting here a week from you know a week from today, talking about a ten and zero hockey team. Like I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. They, they've been able to find ways. They've been able to win when they haven't had their best stuff. And we're not talking about like winning and eking out a one-goal win, like, like a one-goal type of, of performance, or, or having to rely on overtime every single night to, to find a way to, to win in, in a three-on-three situation or a shootout. Like This is a team that is turning even games where they don't have their best stuff into no-doubters. Okay, the record is 10. Okay. It's shared. Okay. Toronto Maple Leafs in 93-94. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the year the New York Rangers won. Everybody thought the, the Maple Leafs would find a way yeah. and, and didn't. That was coming off the 93 getting to the semifinal against the LA Kings. Go figure. A- and the Buffalo Sabres in the mid-2000s. Wow. Won 10 games in a row to start. That team was a wagon. I missed those Sabres teams. M- Montreal did it a couple of years ago in 2016. Oh. I, I say a couple of years ago. It's, <laughs> that's, it's, that's it's not a couple. It's more of years than a couple ago. of years ago, but it feels like like 2016 feels like a couple of years ago. Uh, and then the Carolina Hurricanes won nine games in a row a mm. couple of years ago in 2022. That is a couple of years ago. 2016 is not a couple of years ago. So this this is not a new record. That mm-hmm. the, the the Stanley Cup champion thing is. Yeah, but. Getting to ten games to start a season by a team, mm-hmm. teams one team usually goes pretty deep. We've got Boston, Colorado, and Vegas. Yeah, 
And Boston looks really good. They do. Yeah. And Carolina or Colorado is is what they are. Uh, we got ticks to give away. So the the Winnipeg game that is the eleventh game, the tenth game. That would be the eleventh game. That okay. would be the game so, prior to Colorado. So the eleventh game. If they if they're perfect going into the Winnipeg game, yeah, that's the game to set the new NHL record. Yep. For most wins to start. That's correct. Why don't we send somebody to that game? All right. I'm all about now, it. I don't know whether it will be for a record or not, <laughs> but I'll give you tickets right now. Mm-hmm. Two tickets to see the Winnipeg Jets take on the Vegas Golden Knights on November 2nd, which would be game 11 for the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm. If you're the sixth caller right now, 702-876-1340, uh, you can go to that game. And I'll even throw another set of tickets out later in the show. Sounds good. Just out of the goodness of my heart. Okay. All right. And it's all you, it buddy. Might, it, it, thank you for saying that or recognizing that. Just telling you. I, I appreciate that. It might be for a record. I don't know. Well, one timers, news notes from around the National Hockey League coming up. Carlson left corner, centered, one timer, score! It's time for one timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Let's tie things together from there earlier. Uh, what's a bottle of Don Perignon going for? Well, I'm, I'm assuming it depends on what year you buy, but right now I'm seeing uh, at a place $269.97. Well, total wine and more online. $269.97. This is where you get yourself. Yeah, I know, but, 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 place. but you can get the Lady Gaga Rose edition from Wine Express for $499.95. Wow. And it has a pink label. Just did a couple of little search here. I've got one for nine ninety nine, one for four ninety nine. <laughs> these are all different vintages, but you can get into a bottle of Dom for two sixty nine. Wow! Oh, two thirty nine. There you are. You yeah. can be a big wheel. Yeah, you do. That's if, the twenty thirteen edition that I'm seeing. If you guys popped a bottle of Dom, mm-hmm. and there's four people, yep. there, and you're having some kind of celebration. Are you pouring yourself a little bit more? Of course, hundred percent. Because you, you paid the two sixty nine or whatever. One hundred percent. It's the old one for me, one for you, two for me, one for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. Absolutely. Chad. How'd that go? One for me, one for you, two for me, one for you, three for me, one oh, for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank Listen, if we get if we get to one hundred days without an incident, not a chance. If we get there, Don P, you're buying. You are. <laughs> You're gonna be you're gonna be the bridge. Hey, I'm 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 the the lowest paid employee in this room right now. So. What I'm saying is we're not gonna get there without you, Chapman. Well, yes, the which is why I which is why I should not be the one buying it. He no, forgot no. to put us on the air. Today. <laughs> should I set it like, at ten days? That, that is that is kind of the the bare minimum of the job description. Yeah, getting you on the air. That's yeah, guys, very true. Full, full disclosure, if you show up tomorrow and I'm not here, you know why. I can't believe you were here today. <laughs> well, I wasn't for the first four minutes. Uh, <laughs> do you see the new super stats that were put out by the National Hockey League today? I did. Next-gen type stats. Edge.nhl.com. It's available at NHL.com. You can yep. look at them. Like, fastest skater. Yeah. Uh, goaltending stats with all the shot places. Locations yeah. and where they're laying in the, the goals. Yeah. Did you do any type of dive on this thing? So I, 
I dove a bit on Jack Eichel just to kind of see where his top flight skating is, right? Like how fast he can go. Because I, I always find that really interesting. And there, there's a cool comparison tab. So I got curious. And I wanted to see how, you know, Jack Eichel's skating speed was in comparison to Connor McDavid's. And it's not far off. 22.61 miles per hour is the max speed that Jack Eichel hits has hit in the game so far this year. Connor McDavid just a touch faster at 22.72 miles per hour. The fact that they can move that quick is remarkable to me, but there's not that much far off in, in terms of their max, their top flight speed. It's fantastic. I was surprised that Connor McDavid wasn't the fastest skater. I didn't. That, I didn't that was realize. listed here. Wow. Max speed is Rasmus Kupari. Oh, wow. At almost 24 miles per hour. Oh, burner. And then Martin Natchez. And Zach Wierenski is yeah. third, the defenseman with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Wow. Now, there's there's max speed, and then there's the most 20 to 22-mile-per-hour bursts. Yeah. And that's there's a lot of different names in that area. Owen Tippett is near the top. And hmm. I don't consider Owen Tippett to be really fleet of foot. Yeah. Owen Tippett has an amazing shot, but I've never looked at him and go, oh, he's got a good three strides. Yeah. Owen Tippett uh, here tomorrow. Uh, but Nathan McKinnon is second in that category. That makes sense to me. And then you have 20-plus mile-per-hour bursts, so, and Nathan McKinnon blows everybody away there. <laughs> he's got the top. He's got 50 of those so far this Unreal. year. Unreal. Jack Eichel has 25. Yeah. Now, Eichel is he, – he doesn't push the pace as much as you would think from somebody that's that fast, mm -hmm. but I think he, he's – Speeding up the game, yeah. Uh, from from what we've seen, uh, Eichel's twenty five for the twenty mile an hour burst, and Connor McDavid is at thirty three. Yeah, but maybe maybe I, uh, McDavid's been feeling this injury for a while. Maybe these in, these stats are, are just from this year. Now, McDavid has been placed in a situation where he's not going to play for one to two weeks. Mm -hmm. That's three to six games. Seven, right on the fringe of seven. Sunday is the Heritage Classic game, the outdoor game. Yeah. They're going to play in Edmonton between the, the Oilers and Calgary Flames. Jay Woodcroft said this afternoon he wouldn't bet against McDavid playing in that game. Okay. It's an oblique or something on his side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Watch the game on uh, Saturday against the Winnipeg Jets. He didn't play in the final five minutes of the third period and did not play in overtime, which is bread and butter. That's yeah, Josh yeah. Morrissey. Did you notice that McDavid wasn't out there? Uh, yeah, we yep. noticed. Yep. Yeah, uh, no, we, he, he we wasn't know. there. Jets won the game uh, in overtime. Mark Shifley scoring. What would you do if you the Oilers? Things have not gone well. Do you put him on a timeline where you want him back as soon as possible mm. or are you extra cautious because you're getting into the area now where a bad start can turn into a disastrous start yeah i still would rather have a fully healthy Connor mcdavid when he gets back into the lineup so i'm not rushing mcdavid back for any reason because the worst thing that you can do is rush him back have it re-aggravate and then you spent more time without Connor McDavid. Give him the rest he needs. Let him get right because McDavid down the stretch could get you into the playoffs single-handedly. 
Pretty good. Leon Dreisaitl, not happy. Leon Dreisaitl. What? Back, he's back to me pissy. Why are you so pissy, Leon? And, hmm? I, and I like Why are you so pissy? I like it when he gets that way. He was not pleased with a question that uh, came his way <laughs> on Saturday night uh, regarding the goaltending. So we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, Rick Bonus is taking a leave for the absence from the mm-hmm. Winnipeg Jets. His wife, Judy, uh, suffering a seizure. So they're going to get her back and, and healthy again. And then he'll rejoin the team. Scotty Arneal is uh, going to be the interim head coach. Uh, we've got uh, two more tickets. If, if you want, mm. like it's potential to be a record-setting performance against the Winnipeg Jets for the best start in NHL history. If... Vegas continues to win. Mm-hmm. It'll be game 11, November 2nd, and the Golden Knights can set the NHL record for best, most wins to start a season. Mm. we got two tickets to give away. Which caller? Number 11. Number 11 makes total sense. I never would have thought of that. It's too obvious for me. <laughs> I can't see the tree for the forest or forest for the trees. Uh, it's 702-876-1340. We're catching up with Chapman next. <laughs> When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So a couple years ago, we did our rating system based on peppers. Mm-hmm. Now, it was fun. We, we, had, we had Carolina Reaper. We had Jalapeno, Habaneros. It's a good thing that that did not happen this season where we rated it on peppers because our rating system would be off. We have a new champion in terms of the hottest pepper on the planet. It's called Pepper X, and it is a lot hotter than a Carolina Reaper, developed by the same guy who created the Carolina Reaper, which, by the way, I didn't even know that it was created. I thought it just was a natural thing that someone discovered. But Ed Curry who owns a company called Puckerbutt Peppers, developed Pepper X. You want to know what it rates on the Scoville heat scale? Sure. Okay, what's what's the like, blandest pepper and what's the... Well, jalapeno, just for comparison's sake, rates at somewhere between three to 8,000 on the Scoville scale. Three to 8,000, and zero is, is milk. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Three to 8,000. Yes. They're not not particularly spicy. The Carolina Reaper rates 1.64 million on the Scoville scale. What what happened between like a 1 and 10? I have no idea. I don't even know (laughs) who the Scoville guy is. 1.6 million. But the intensity intensity multiplies. Come on. So Guinness, the World Book of Records people, they rated this pepper at a 2.693 million on the Scoville scale. It's almost a million higher on the Scoville scale than the Carolina Reaper. Now, Ed Curry will not be selling seeds for mm-hmm. this. He says the only way you're going to be able to try it is if you buy the hot sauce that he's creating with it. But uh, apparently he sold the seeds for Carolina Reaper, which allowed people to reproduce the pepper, sure. make it worldwide. So not so easy to find, but does it come with a medical waiver? Well, the funny thing is he's quoted as saying that he tried it and um, basically it knocked him out for like three to four hours. He was out of commission. He said it it was painful. 
Uh, it's very, very, very bad. I was feeling the heat for three and a half hours, he told the Associated Press. Then the cramps came. The cramps are horrible. I was laid out on a marble wall for approximately an hour in the rain. Wall? <laughs> yes, <laughs> groaning in pain. What does that mean? You're I don't. I have no idea. Laid out on a wall. Well, that's what he. That's what he's quoted as saying on a marble wall. I don't was think he, he knew what. what, <laughs> what was was I don't think down. he knew where he was. What's the name of the company? Uh, Pucker Butt Pepper. Amazing. How, yes. how do you find volunteers to test peppers? Well, he like volunteered peppers? himself. I know, but because I, nobody I, else would volunteer? Probably. You try and test that stuff. You so tried that something was, that's that was that your ha- best ever. I think so, was it? No, no, no. I think you sold it too much. We didn't measure up to the heat. Oh!